Welcome to a new episode of the AR The Talk Series podcast. My name is James and today you'll hear from five passionate runners about how we can push the sport of running forwards. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome or welcome back. I am James Heptonstall. I am a coach at Adidas Runners London. I've been a coach here for five years now. So we just celebrated our fifth birthday the other day. And it's been amazing seeing our community here grow in London over those years. And I've been lucky enough to connect with uh, numerous AR cities around the world as well. Um, And today I have the pleasure of being your host for this podcast. And if you haven't listened to this podcast before, I can give you a quick introduction of what we've been talking about. So here we're inviting runners from around the world to sit down together and have a conversation about important topics in the sport of running and beyond. In past episodes, we've talked about the inclusion of queer runners, especially trans athletes in the running community and society in general. We've picked the brains of two runners who strive for high goals and asked them what their recipe is to long-term success. We've also picked apart the topics of recharging, motivation, finding your what, your how, and your why. However, today we're going to zoom out and try to take a broader look on the sport that we all love. So in this episode, we're going to ask the question, how can we push the sport of running forward? And to answer it from as many perspectives as possible, we've invited people from four different time zones to this conversation, including Citus Mag host Chris Chavez from NYC, running coach Rashida Herdon from NYC as well, uh, pro runner Reed Fisher of Tinman Elite from Boulder, Colorado, and AR India performance lead Navita Samantha. But let's give them an opportunity to introduce themselves. So let's get right into this. We'll start off this episode, and here is Nivi, Rashida, Chris, and Reed. So we've got some great guests here today. Um, I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Um, so we'll, we'll start off, um, I think, with, with Chris. Um, I feel a bit of pressure here because Chris is a very uh, experienced podcast host, and this is my first attempt at doing it. So Chris, any tips afterwards? Welcome to hear them. Um, but yeah, Chris, I think it'd be great if you could introduce yourself, tell the listeners a bit about your background, um, and then sort of just mm-hmm. um, talk about your relationship with running. You know, how did you get into running and what running looks like for you at the moment? Yeah, so I, I appreciate the uh, the quick shout out because yeah, for me, I I love talking about running because it's part of my job. I host uh, the Sidious Mag podcast. Um, I started that site back in 2017 uh, when I'm not writing or, or when I'm not talking about running. I'm writing about running for Sports Illustrated, and uh, then wh- when I'm not doing either of those two things, I'm trying to run as mediocre as possible and getting out there for a couple miles uh, each day. Uh, and so, yeah, for me, running started way back in in high school. I was a sprinter, 
at my high school, Xavier High School in New York City, all boys private school. And uh, I wasn't anything good. I only got into running really in college uh, when I just saw a buddy of mine start to pack on a couple pounds. And I was like, I don't want that to be me. You get all this freedom in college where you can eat whatever you want. Your parents aren't around. And I just didn't want that to be me. Uh, so I started running a little bit uh, recreationally, decided to pick up a couple 5Ks here and there. And then I watched the New York City Marathon on TV one day, and I told myself, someday I want to do that. And very quickly, I caught the marathon bug, did uh, Chicago in 2013, then New York City in 2014, but uh, started getting a little bit competitive with myself. And I was like, I want to break four hours for the marathon, which like in the grand scheme of things, like it was a goal that just was pretty arbitrary for me at the very beginning. And um, because I fell short, at the very beginning, a handful of times, I just kept at it. And by the time I did finally do it in, uh, I think it was like my third or fourth marathon in Boston. Um, I was like, well, now I've got half the majors crossed off the list. Why not do the rest of them? And so, uh, yeah. So the marathon bug eventually resulted in me doing, uh, all six of the marathon majors, but I'm also like pretty motivated by, by time and getting the best out of myself. So, still training and trying to dip under now, now under the three hour barrier. So that's how uh, my running's kind of evolved over the past couple of years. No, brilliant. Thanks, Chris. And um, yeah, con aware that Chris, you're sort of good friends uh, with Reed. So I think maybe like move on to uh, the Reed and give us a little intro about yourself, Reed, and, and sort of your background, how you got into running and what running looks like at the moment uh, for yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, my name is Reed Fisher. I am an Adidas sponsored long distance runner. I train with a team called Tin Man Elite based out of Boulder, Colorado. Been out here and been with Adidas for four years and two years respectively. So really feel fortunate to, to have the opportunity for running professionally is something I think that little kids everywhere kind of dream of. And it's been absolutely a dream of mine and, and getting to live out that dream every day feels unreal at times and and way way too real at others uh, so you know me finding the sport was kind of uh similar to chris you know found it in in high school and over here in the states personally cross country is a lot of times like the rejects of other sports who who weren't athletic enough to make it in a sport like soccer or football or something like that and that was very much me i was kind of the scrawny kid who, who didn't know how his body worked yet and wasn't very uh, coordinated on the sports field so found running and really just did it for the social aspect of it for like the first you know four or five years of my career it was really just I had some buddies and running was very secondary I was more jogging to a basketball court and putting up some shots for my 30 minute easy runs instead of actually logging miles um, and then somewhere along the way just found that I had some talent and, and found that my competitive side was emerging as I just got older and, and started wanting to run faster and then went to college and had some good success there. Um, qualified for the NCAA championships a handful of times, but felt like I had some unfinished business. And so moved to Boulder with the intention of seeing what I had post-collegiately and, and was working full time when I first moved out here and then started running really well and finding my footing in like the half marathon distance. Um, and that kind of led to a sponsorship with Adidas and a partnership there, which has been really, really fruitful and helped me really focus on being a professional athlete over the past year or so. Um, so that's been really cool. And 
since moving to Boulder, I've qualified for two opportunities to represent the U.S. internationally, one of them being a world championships uh, for the half marathon that I did not get to run because of COVID, but still a, a really, really cool honor to have made that team and hopefully the, the first of many to come. So running for me now, I'm, I'm 26, which feels weird to say. I feel like I'm getting a, to no longer be a, a rookie on the road scene. Um, but yeah, you know, it's been really fun and I'm starting to move up in distance. So ran the marathon Olympic trials for the United States last February. Um, and then I'll be running a full marathon this fall as well. So I'm deep in the throes of training for that now running hundred mile weeks and, and good long runs and all that fun stuff. So I'm very tired as well, just in a, in a different way of Chris, my sleep's been very high, but my days are, are very full with lots of running. Great to hear that. Yeah. That transition from social to like social running to, uh, the elite level that you're now competing at and yeah, congrats on, on that journey. It sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, thank you. what's the fun. marathon you're targeting in, in the full yeah, uh, I'll be running Chicago. So that's October 10th this year. So Chris's uh, old flame will be my first true major marathon aside from the trials. So it'll be fun. The marathon trials in February of last year was my marathon debut, which was a pressure filled place to, to make your debut. But yeah, you know, going out for my first world major is going to be really exciting. And Chicago is a great place to do it. So we're pumped. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'll look out for you on that then. Yeah, best of luck for Chicago. <laughs> Thanks. Um, Appreciate it. Yeah, and then sort of moving on to our, our other guest. So we have um, Rashida uh, from Girls Run NYC. Uh, yeah, so Rashida, if you want to tell us a bit about yourself, your background. Um, I'm Rashida, Rashida Herndon. Um, I'm originally from Washington, D.C., uh, and as James mentioned, I am the captain of Girls Run NYC, which is a all-girls uh, running collective uh, here in New York City. I'm also a part of Adidas Runners NYC. Um, and my journey to running uh, was a little bit, uh, I guess, unconventional. I'm not a professional runner, and nor is it my passion. <laughs> I just do it, and I do it because I can. Um, I ran in school but not like serious. I was on the track team and I was very good at it, but I never thought uh, this is something I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, I didn't run in college. Uh, so there was like a small break. Um, then as an adult, I moved to New York and just got back into a more of a healthy lifestyle. I started going to the gym. I started running on the treadmill, um, but never really called it running. I was just exercising. And then I had a coworker who was doing New York Roadrunner races. And she was like, you run so much in the gym. How about you run outside with me sometimes? And I was like, no. Um, but we did it once. And I was like, okay, running outside is kind of cool, you know. And uh, that led to running these races led to meeting other people. And meeting other people like Zappo. Um, that led to running other road races and being with other running collectives in New York City. And that led to, you know, casually running marathons. Um, and I don't think I realized that I was running marathons um, like I was until a family member was like, oh my gosh, you run a lot of marathons. And I was like, do I? She was like, yeah, you ran one last week, didn't you? I was like, yeah, my friend did uh, Philly. And um, I just went along with her. And she was like, but didn't you just do New York? I was like, oh, yeah. 
yeah, my friend Jessie ran, you know, New York. And I was pacing her like, yeah. And then I was thinking, okay, I do run a lot of marathons. And it just evolved into a part of my life where um, uh, it's just ingrained in my life right now as running. People ask me, why do I run? And what am I running for? Um, I'm really not sure. It's fun. You meet a lot of cool people. Um, and I am also a running coach and coaching people gives me a sort of satisfaction that I get from running as well. You know, watching them, um, evolve and improve gives me sort of the same kind of high that running does as well. So, um, there you go. Yeah, no, I bet. And you said you were almost sort of chalking up the marathons without realizing it. How, how many have you actually done now to date? I never actually sat down and count. But if you ask Zappo, she'll say, well, she, she, we've done about 20 together. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll go with that number. So let's just say 20. Yeah, let's just say 20. It's been a long time now. 20, yeah, great. It's been a very long time. Yeah, it's been over, I would say 20 <laughs> over the past 15 years. Great. Um, and then moving on to our final guest. So we have uh, Nivi from AR India. Um, so yeah, same sort of questions, but yeah, if you can get a little introduction to your background, uh, how you got into running and what running looks like for you at this moment in time. Um, I have been a runner since I was 13 years old. Um, I discovered that I was fairly good at the middle distances by accident while uh, doing the track tryouts, you know, um, for this. My parents, I come from a very small town in India and we didn't really have good schools. So my parents put me away to a boarding school in the mountains. It was um, 4,500 feet above sea level. Um, and it was an all girls convent, Catholic convent, and I'm not Christian, but that's a different story altogether. But sport was a rigorous part of the curriculum. You know, you woke up in the morning and you had to do the sport that you'd picked for yourself. And I wasn't sure what I was good at. So I signed up to try out with the track team and it was a 400 meter race and I ended up beating the fastest girl um, at that moment who was a 10th grader and I was a mere eighth grader. So that's how the journey really began. Um, I ran all through middle school, high school, um, representing, you know, the state that I was part of and um, the schools that I went to. I ran a little bit in college as well, um, but that wasn't competitive. Um, but I will have to tell you this. The first time I traveled outside of India was when I was 16 years old. Uh, my uncle, my father's brother, lives in lived in Boston at the time. I was the Boston Marathon weekend. I was 16 years old, and you know there was you know traffic lockdown and all of that. And uh, he, I said, well, what's the, you know what what are these restrictions for? And he said, it's the Boston Marathon weekend. I said, you know what, I want to run that someday. And he said, yeah, maybe you should. And that dream sort of stayed on, but I never really acted on it um, until. 2011, actually 2009, when I, I studied in the States and I came back after when the recession happened, actually, uh, because I got laid off for the job that I was at. 
um, and nobody else was, you know, I was on a student visa, so nobody was really hiring at that time, and it made sense for me to come back to India. It was a really depressing situation because, you know, you have these hopes and dreams and that thing that you think they're going to work out. But it didn't happen. And just to combat the depression, the anxiety, I started running again. And I decided to run my first half marathon. All this while I was running, you know, 10Ks, 15Ks, not competitively, you know, just to stay fit. And I ran the, ran the New Delhi half marathon. Um, it's one of the popular road races um, on the international scene as well. And I ran that just above two hours, you know, and I said, hey, you know, I'm pretty good at it. I think I was the 10th woman to finish in the open category. Uh, but back then, there were barely any women running um, in India, you know. Um, and then I said, okay, I run a half marathon. It's time for me to upgrade and maybe try and get to running that Boston marathon. So I did five marathons between 2012, which is my first one in Mumbai, a very, very hot race, um, humid as hell. Uh, I did that five times back to back every year. And there came a point of time where I just didn't, I just didn't get faster because, you know, I, I wasn't training well and I was working full time. It was just, it's, it was just something that I did for fun. It was my annual thing, you know, goal for myself to do. And then, um, 2015, I was working for a big telecommunications company and I just hated my job. And uh, I decided to quit my job and become a running coach because, you know, I was very passionate about running. There were a lot of people that started reaching out to me for help, but I didn't feel like I was capable of helping them. So I said, OK, I'm going to do this running coach certification and I'm just going to quit everything and become a running coach. Um, and it just so happened that 2016, the fall of 2016, just quit my job, just about got my running coach certification and Adidas India got in touch saying, hey, we'd love for you to uh, join the Adidas runners community and help us build it. Um, so here I am in 2021, uh, part of the Adidas runners India team where I work with, you know, the captains, coaches and the crew across three cities as a performance coach for them. Um, I also have my own private coaching business where I'm helping people run their first 5K, 10K, marathons, half marathons. I've helped someone do 100K and, you know, do really well in that. So it's been pretty incredible. And, you know, running in India has really uh, transformed in the last decade that I've been a runner. Uh, when I started it, uh, I used to be the only woman out at 5.30 in the morning in shorts running. Um, and I was lucky to find a group of men that supported me and still do actually. But uh, it's still considered unsafe for women to go out running on their own, especially if you're wearing shorts or tanks uh, in a lot of the smaller cities. But cities like Delhi are not safe other than in certain pockets. So safety is a big thing that we try to tackle here at um, Adidas Runners India, yeah. Yeah, no, really important. And yeah, the fact that you're navigating that for for women is, yeah, yeah, really inspiring. Yeah, good stuff. I mean, brilliant. Such a, yeah, a great sort of collection of sort of background stories and sort of like, but all founded in the passion for running. Um, I feel like I should share my, my background as well. And I'm sort of like host on this, but just to give you a bit of an insight. Um, so I guess actually similar to some of the, the bits that, uh, Chris and Nivin, the guys have said, like starting off in sort of track and field athletics. Um, I've always 
yeah, been quite into my shorter distances. So sprinting, um, 100 meters, 200 meters. Long jump was actually my like focus at a, a young age. Um, so long jump and triple jump. Joined a, a local athletics club. Um, really sort of like really enjoyed long jump and triple jump. And I remember my mum driving me every Tuesday and Thursday to like a, a track that wasn't a local one, but there was a better long jump coach at a, a, a track further down. And she would drive with me, drive me all the time. And I, yeah, did lots of competing when I was young, moved to university, was sort of really trying to see if I could make it and, you know, potentially do something like read where I turned it into a profession, but I wasn't sort of quite there. Um, and I think I got to my mid twenties and was like, you know, there's only so much I can carry on doing long jump. I wasn't getting as much out of it socially. Um, and I kind of was like looking for something a bit more social. So I kind of stopped my athletics and I actually discovered um, touch rugby as a, a real sort of a social but really enjoyable sport that I got into. Uh, and then I had five years representing uh, my country, getting 23 caps uh, for England touch rugby, which was brilliant because for me, I always wanted to do that with my long jump and the, the opportunity wasn't really there and to change and go for another sport was amazing and because I've always been quite passionate with my my running um I had a friend of mine we we wanted to do a bit of a, a fun running challenge and this is my only very small claim to fame but we um we did this completely off our own backs we came up with this challenge called race the tube where a train comes into a London underground tube stop I'm on the train, the doors open, I run off the train, go above ground and get back on the same train one stop down. And it was just a challenge that I had in my head that I thought could be done. I sort of knew what I could do 400 meters in and that was the distance. And I, I made it by the skin of my teeth and we uploaded this video to YouTube and it just blew up, it went viral. We had millions of views and it's quite unusual for a, a running based video to go viral. And so it was, it was amazing for me uh, at the time, seeing lots of other people around the world replicating the challenge in their various like subway or metro systems and trying to do the same thing. And that one video really was a spark to sort of me and my introduction to Adidas. And off the back of that, I basically became an Adidas runners coach uh, at London. Um, so yeah, that was yeah, a little, little background for myself. And I think this, this episode, we're, we're really trying to focus on why do we run? And I've got a couple of sort of questions here, which we'll, we'll open up back to the group. I think the first question we've got is, what challenges, um, what, what challenges do we face in running at the moment from your sort of perspective? Um, you know, what are the barriers? What are the challenges? Um, and yeah, potentially like how, are we, how are we going to overcome them as well? Yeah, well, right now, I think like there's a lot of excitement over the boom that is coming within the running uh, community, because um, just last year, everyone was locked up at home and, and uh, all the gyms were closed. And so many people were kind of wondering, it's like, what what is it that I can do to kind of stay in shape? And running is, is the sport that only requires you to have a pair of shoes. You get out the door and you get it done. And uh, so, so many people discovered running during the pandemic. And so the thing to look forward to, I think, in the coming months is all these hordes of people who are signing up for their first race and, and actively participating within the sport. And I think that's so exciting. 
you on the flip side of it you have people like myself who are very you know goal driven and last year when you strip away the races uh you take a step back and you're just like you know what like maybe i don't need to train as hard for a whole year and just you know you focus on other things in life and so now once these races are now finally on the schedule again uh you've got a lot of rust to, to brush off. And so I think for, for me, that's one of the biggest obstacles um, and challenges that I'm seeing. And, and I know I'm not alone in this as well, where it's like, yeah, maybe two years ago, I was in the best shape of my life and running, you know, the best I ever have. Uh, and you take a whole year off, your body does take some getting used to, to get back to that point. And so, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's something that I've kind of been a little bit more, uh, mindful of over the past couple of years is trying to let go of, you know, all right, I'm on an easy run right now and I'm looking at the pace and it's very far from what I'd be running in the middle of a, of a half marathon or 5k or even sometimes the marathon pace. Uh, and it feels hard, but that's okay. You just have to put that time back into the sport and, um, and dedicate yourself again. And so for me, I think that's one of the challenges in the physical act of running, um, that post pandemic, uh, a lot of people are facing. And I think it's important to underscore that, uh, you know, you're not alone in it. Yeah. I mean, the past year, as Chris mentioned, and I'm sure all of us have felt to varying degrees was really, really tricky to navigate, whether mentally, emotionally, or physically, there were just totally new things that, that, you know, shutting down races and, and things like that, you know, world championships not having happening and all, all that kind of stuff definitely makes you reframe, I think your relationship with running. And, you know, for me, it was, this duality of like being really, really crushed that a lot of opportunities were maybe being taken away from me or, or chances to compete were no longer there and things like that um, were really tough. But at the same time, like for the first time in a long time, being as, as goal driven as I have been historically, like finding out that there wasn't a next race for a long time there was really kind of refreshing to me. Like I was able to kind of find you know, a, a new love for the sport that I had sort of lost touch with, you know, I think, as I mentioned, um, just kind of getting started and running, it was very, um, sort of social for me. But yeah, I, I think for me, I also like regained a really strong like connection with myself as an athlete. I think being a competitor and doing this for a living, a lot of times, like you lose that like childlike joy that, that a lot of us started running with in the first place and, and maybe have continued to carry on into our adult lives. And, and so for me, having it be, you know, not only like a, a job, but something that I place a lot of pressure on to perform and, and do a good job at my job, like most people like to do, um, you sort of lose touch with some of the reasons why you started doing it in the first place. And so oddly, I had like this weird grappling sensation of like being really frustrated that I was missing out on the opportunity to compete at the world half marathon championships because team USA decided not to field the team due to COVID and you know, the heartbreak that came with that. And then I was pivoting to run the Valencia half marathon, which is historically incredibly fast. And I was going to be shooting for, you know, as close to the American record in the half marathon as I could have gotten. And, and these big high level goals that I'd had were all kind of being taken away. And so, you know, I think most runners, process difficult things through running um and it was this really odd sensation of like 
all I wanted to do was run because it was really hard. And, and the last thing I wanted to do was run because it was like, well, what's the point if I don't have these races anymore? And so I found about halfway through 2020, I kind of just came to this realization that none of it was going to be in my control. And so just kind of letting go of that weight was really important for me to just find like a new love for running. And it really kind of reframed the things that I value in the sport and and that was connecting with people. And so that's obviously been a little bit difficult to do over the past year, but I think that's one of the things that I've been really thrilled to see people in the sport rise to that challenge of, okay, how can we connect with one another when we can't go for a run together? Like we have been able to, and I think, you know, Boulder, Colorado is a huge running community. That's very, very strong. And a lot of times people to this day sort of siloed, um, and, and you run with the same people who are on your team or, or live nearby. But once the pandemic guidelines kind of lifted all of a sudden, like the running community here in Boulder was super revitalized and, and everybody was running with everybody. And, and it was just this really cool resurgence of community that I think I've seen, you know, pretty much worldwide. And that's been very, very cool, um, to kind of see this, this, like Chris mentioned, this new running boom has been very fun to see from an elite perspective. And so I think the challenge now is really just going to be, how can we not have this be a, a boom and bust, but something that stays sustained and, and keep these people in the sport and make them feel like there's a place for them, no matter how fast they are or how different they look or how, you know, difficult as Nivi mentioned, it might be for them to go out for a run safely, like making sure that we make running accessible for everybody, I think will be the biggest challenge now that we've gotten a bunch of new faces in the sport. It's been a sort of journey, hasn't it, where people have done constant uh, resetting of goals, um, looking at what they can do. Um, so, yeah, it's everyone's tackling it in a different way. I guess um, moving on to, to Rashida, um, yeah, I guess like in New York and your sort of experience, what sort of challenges have, have you come across and, and how are people tackling them? Yeah, I mean, here has been, I guess, uh, to some degree the same as, you know, Reed and Chris in terms of, uh, you know, the all of a sudden, you know, halt of the running community. Um, it was easy to make a lot of excuses not to leave the house. Um, and I realized how, how much I ran before and how little I started to run. And it kind of echoed through the running community too, you know, so people were like, well, just don't run so much every day, you know, cut back to 5Ks a day and things like that. Um, and two, I wasn't familiar with my area. Um, again, I leave the house at five. I come home at 10 p.m. So now I'm trying to get used to this new area. Um, and in my area, there aren't a lot of runners. So for me to run in my neighborhood was weird. Um, to tackle and battle the hecklers and not have a running buddy was weird. So I started to run with Mace and my running just took on a whole nother level of preparation that before was mindless for me. So it was very, um, it, it was kind of, you know, life altering. Um, but slowly I got into the habit of, okay, don't make it a big deal. Just put the mace in your waistband and, you know, keep your keys in your hand just in case something happens. Um, 
but it was just a bigger challenge that I don't have to worry about in Manhattan because there's runners all over Manhattan. But in the Bronx, there aren't that many runners. So I think the biggest challenge for me was more environmental and, you know, economics and a whole, you know, culmination of 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 those things and, and getting too comfortable with being lazy. Rashida, I resonate with so much of what you said. Um, because India went into lockdown last year, much before everyone else, before we even had any cases. So, and that went on for about two months. It's difficult, right? Uh, there were so many of my friends that were just, you know, running hours just in their small apartment, just to stay sane, just to keep moving, you know? Um, for me, I have this small little park. I never run in my neighborhood and it's a fairly safe neighborhood. You know, we've got street lights and there aren't many runners, but it's a safe neighborhood. It's, you know, there's guards and everything, but I never really ran here uh, until COVID happened. And I realized that there's a one kilometer loop that I can keep doing uh, without getting into trouble with the cops. Cause you know, it's, it's all locked up and you can just go. And that's what I did. I did mindless loops, uh, whenever I felt like there were so many women that uh, just felt frustrated because traditionally they're the ones that stay at home, look after the house, the husband and, and the children. Um, so we, you know, designed a women's only program in March and then another lockdown happened. So the challenge now has been how do we keep those women interested? People like Rashida and I don't shouldn't have to run with me, right? Um, we shouldn't, we should be able, and you know, you're in New York, it's, it's the Western country. I'm still in a developing country, but you know, women face the same issues together. What can men and women collectively do to make running safe for everybody? Yeah, definitely echo that. You shouldn't have to run with Mace. It's, um, yeah. So we've probably all seen it in our communities, whether it's sort of Boulder, New York or, or New Delhi, I think when the community is separated it almost i saw in london when we when we eventually came back together and we were allowed to it kind of made the group stronger as well and there was this this real sort of celebratory moment um and it kind of brings me on to sort of the next question of um what we think as a collective it'd be great to get everyone's views on this of what needs to be done to push the sport of running forward um so I think if we, yeah, if we go back to Chris and I know Chris, you're obviously covering the Olympics at the moment and that is a pinnacle moment that happens every four or five years at the moment, but it's something that I think is helping people get excited about running. So it'd be great to get your view on, on the Olympics, but in general, what you think there else needs to be done to really sort of push the sport to the next level. Yeah, I think one of the key things is uh, paying attention, especially right now that we're in this moment, you see these top stars having great success on the biggest of stages, but beyond them just being athletes, they're, they're more than that. Um, they all stand for something. They, they've had very interesting journeys to get to this point. Um, and I think one of the key components to pushing the sport forward and just running in general is, uh, is learning more uh, about the, the people who are at the top and the communities that they're engaged with. Uh, it's, it's looking around and seeing 
hey, that person came from this background and they could do it. So uh, why can't I? Or how can I make a difference in, in a community uh, to improve either the conditions or whatever it is to uh, help find that, that next big star? And I think um, that's something that, especially with this Olympics and, and, and these past couple months, uh, we're definitely more attuned to is just taking a look around at the spaces that you're in and seeing what the representation is like. And um, if you look around and see that there's something lacking, think about how you can make it inviting to, uh, to that group of, to, to whatever is missing uh, from there. And so I think that's definitely something that um, I've definitely been more attuned to uh, with, with running within the past year or so. Um, and it's something that, is definitely being underscored with uh, the people at the Olympics too. Yeah, definitely. I think it's um, well, it's just a great platform to inspire. Like um, it's it's those moments in sport which can yeah just kindle something and make make someone make that step to get out the door and and take up something themselves. Rashida, let's move on. Um, yeah, just get your view on on what you think the sport of running needs to do to push itself forward. Accessibility is is key for me. Um, uh, similar to what Chris had said, how you know how a lot of the the athletes now are they are becoming more human, and um, you know I think that is an important part of running these days, um, showing that aspect of it as opposed to always the superhuman um, as aspect of running. Um, and I think um, making running more accessible and making it um, more available to, for the lack of a better word, the everyday person um, would be um, a great thing. And I think it's important to show that you don't have to be a professional to put one foot in front of the other. Um, and when I'm coaching people, I tell them all the time, the hardest part is getting out the door. If you can get yourself out the door, the rest is easy. Um, and my main goal, I try to do my part in letting everybody know that, you know, as long as you get out the door and you put one in front, one foot in front of the other, you are a superstar within yourself. I'm not sure about Reed, Chris, and Nevi, or you, James. Um, I don't come from an athletic background. Um, the people in my family, no one runs, you know, uh, my grandmother, keeps asking why why do you run I can help you buy a car and I'm like grandma that's that's not why I run so no one really understands but then I have family members who say I want to run but it's just too much I can't be like you and I'm like of course you can't be like me you could be like you though and let me show you how to be like you um but it running seems so far-fetched to a lot of people who really want to start running and I just think we need to change the culture where people feel more comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, it's a, it's a great thing to sort of change that culture and mindset. And yeah, so rewarding when you, you take people and like you say, mm -hmm. they become those superstars by doing it. Everybody thinks you need to like start running a marathon just no. to run. No, just walk outside your door, walk to the corner store. Run back. <laughs> Definitely. Right. And, and it's just so important to sort of, internalize that running is a personal journey and it's it's 
in this, you know, in this, we're anyway in a rat race to be good at a job, to, you know, be somewhere at a certain age. We have all these crazy goals that we set for ourselves professionally. Um, and if you're not a professional runner, I always tell people, take a step back, take a deep breath now. Okay, I'm probably faster than you, but that's not why I run. I run to meet people like you so that I can get you to celebrate your personal journey, right? And that's just so important because um, I feel like each one of us, um, as people that have been running for a while, or Sheila, you've done over 20 marathons and you've been running you know, nearly all your life. Um, but it's just so great that you said that, you know, to celebrate your own accomplishments, to look uh, within yourselves, you know, maybe you want to sort of celebrate running in a whole different way. Maybe mentor someone else, be there to mentor someone, let leave no runner behind uh, because, you know, it may be just a regular run for you, but for someone else, it could be a big stepping stone into getting outside the comfort zone and, you know, you have to constantly encourage people to do that. And I feel like, you know, if we collectively sort of took that on us, uh, we could change someone's life. I like that, Nidhi. Yeah. yeah. No, that's really nice. Let's uh, let's circle back around to Reed and see what's your view on pushing uh, running forward, Reed. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I think it's <laughs> my mom had a like a little magnet on our fridge when we were growing up and it's a quote from Desmond Tutu and it's do your little bit of good wherever you are and together those little bits of good combined will overwhelm the world so a little bit cheesy but it's a quote that I definitely have like honed in on and live by um, a little bit so to me it's it's you know it doesn't take a massive herculean effort from any one person to like change the sport of running it's it's just finding a way that you can help and whether that's inviting your neighbor or a friend to go out for a run with you and not being like, Oh, this is too slow. I got to go. Sorry. See you later. And just like sitting with them in that moment and getting them through that run, like that's pushing the sport forward and that's getting somebody involved. Or maybe it's like on a very higher level, like Nibi and Rashida with like coaching and mentoring, you know, mass groups of people and, and really being there for Chris, like covering these stories of athletes who are, maybe overlooked or maybe, you know, need their voices amplified a little bit to really make people understand that, you know, they've had this huge hardship in their life that they've overcome in the name of athletic performance. And so, you know, I don't think it can be huge to to look at this high, high level question and just be like, oh, how can we make the sport of running better? Right. Like that's a really daunting ask. But when you start to chip away at it and just think of like, little things that you can do, you know, each day or each week or each year and just setting like little micro goals for yourself and just being intentional about, you know, the way you speak to others about their performances or, or their training and, and their bodies and things like that can really go a long way in helping them feel like they do belong and that they are a runner. And so things like that, I think, are just a great place to start. And, and if you can have 10 people around you become runners because you've invited them to your run club or, or on a run individually, all of a sudden there are 10 more runners in the world. And I'm a firm believer that the world would be a better place if, if everyone was a runner in some capacity. So to me, I think people, you know, other people in the conversation are, are really ambassadors for the sport in a way that I try to be, but, you know, being a pro athlete, you know, there's a lot of this more aspirational rather than inspirational quality where like people, you're a professional runner and they're like, oh man, like I would love to do that one day, but there's no way, you know, whereas 
people like Nevi and, and Rashida who are more mentors and, and coaches are much more inspirational to people and they can say, Hey, like I've, I've been where you're at and I've seen this journey reshape my entire life and my mindset and my outlook on, on who I can be and the things that I can accomplish. And so that story oftentimes carries a lot more weight for people who are, are finding the sport in life. And so, you know, our team, Tim and Elite, was founded and our mission is to push the sport of running forward. And I think we do it in very different ways than, than Nibi and Rashida probably do. We're much more driving it from a, a performance incentive and, and trying to really show that people at the top levels of the sport are humans too. And Chris does a great job of highlighting those storylines in, in his podcast that I've been on with him, you know. Just, just hitting the storylines and making sure that people realize that, you know, I struggle with, you know, feeling like I belong in this sport just the same as somebody who just started. It's just in a very different way. You know, like I can go out to the U.S. championships and be like, man, I don't know if I deserve to be here. Like I've worked hard for it. Sure. But like there are people in this field who are extraordinarily better and more capable athletes than I am. And I just have to hope that I'm good enough to compete with them today. And you know, you do your best to, to do it. And then there are people that Rashida and Navy, you know, experience every day who are like, man, I don't even know if I belong to be here, period. Like, I don't know if my body is going to be capable to carry me through this 5k run, I might have to stop and walk. And like, that to me is, is showing so much vulnerability and, and just humanity that it's so pure. And it, it just like gets me super emotional to talk about just because I think that's what running is and that's what i found running to be it's like this huge confidence instilling like purpose giving life bringing thing for me and like all i want to do is is share that excitement that i've been able to find in my own life with as many other people as i can so kind of like rashida said you know if reed can do it then i can too and and that's really cool for me but at the same time like you know, that representation and, and that accessibility that Rashida mentioned is vastly more important than people seeing somebody like me go out and, and run a PR. You know, it's it's cool, but, you know, I hope that my impact on the sport can be far more lasting than maybe the, the top American performances lists or how good my PRs were and things like that. I hope it's much more that I'm able to to make some change in the sport and, and be a voice and use my platform as an elite athlete to make running a space that feels safer for people and, and more welcome for people and isn't this sort of, you know, whitewashed, lycra-wearing, uh, spandex jogging boom that, that the U.S. knew in the 70s and that it's a sport that everyone feels like they have a place in and, and can make their voice heard in. That's great words, Reed. Really good perspective on it. And, um, yeah, thank you so much. That insight is quite, yeah, quite refreshing for sort of – and I think what's what's been really nice to see actually at the Olympics is I've noticed it with the broadcasting that because there isn't the crowd there to interact, um, a lot of the broadcasters are going to the friends and families that would be in the stadium are watching from home. So the broadcasters go and speak to them direct just in their living rooms or, you know, like they, the community have got out to watch them live. And all of a sudden you hear this story, as you said, Reed, of, you know, that person, like how they've grown up, their mum and dad saying, you know, their training and what they were doing. And and all of a sudden, it's so much more relatable to you as an individual. And it probably helps, like, break down those barriers. Reed, it, it is very awesome to hear you say that, you know. It oh, really thanks. is. It, it is. It really is. Because there is this perception that, you know, someone of your level, you know, looks at, you know, 
an everyday runner as if we don't belong. Um, Mm -hmm. I know our newer runners that come out, they have that perception, you know, they even look at the seven minute milers and feel that they think that they don't belong. Um, And I try to stress similar to Nevi, it's your own personal journey, you know? So it's great to hear you say that, you know, you have the same struggles as an everyday runner, you know, when you get on that main stage, your thought is, you know, sometimes you have this, you know, wavering feeling of, do I belong here? Um, because that's mm-hmm. the thought of, you know, every athlete. So it's it's definitely yeah. great to hear you say it. Yeah, thanks. I mean, at the end of the day, like every runner is a human being first. And so, you know, it's, it's we're all going through the same struggles and, and the same celebrations and the same woes. And so being there for one another is, is super important. And yeah, I think, you know, especially in this past year, our teams made a really conscious effort to reach out to high school teams and college teams and, and just, you know, run clubs and things like that and sort of have like one-on-one Zoom calls where we're doing Q&As with them. And a lot of the things we found has been exactly that, where it's like everyone assumes that these professional runners that you see towing the line in the Olympics are just these like stoic Greek god, you know, chiseled and, and born to be these elite runners who who don't feel pain and and don't deal with the emotions that normal humans struggle with. And that's really not the case. And I think especially at this Olympics, we've started to see a lot of that kind of shine through and and the athletes are are more than just these masks that they put on when they need to show up and compete well. You know, a lot of times that's what we see. But then in the post competition interviews, you see their personality shine through and, and their their highs and lows shine through and the struggles that they're working through. So yeah, I think at the end of the day, like every athlete is a human being and vice versa. And so, you know, whether you're a human being who's going out and walk jogging for a 5k, you're also an athlete. And whether you're an athlete who feels like they don't belong, like that's valid, you're a human being. And so being able to rationalize that and give yourself space and grace to, to just live with the things that you're feeling is super important for every every person so that's kind of what we try and make sure people can understand as elites that you know it's it's the same for us as it is for you or just running a bit faster yeah no it's been a really nice yeah step change and it'd be really good to see it sort of carry on as well in in like the future um because it makes everything so more relatable um no that's brilliant um and i think just to sort of like round up we've got our sort of final question here of what can each and everyone contribute to make this sport better um i thought i might just sort of kick this one off actually because i was sort of like inspired a bit from what reed just said um and i think knowing rashida and nevi and myself in with the community in london a lot of people discover running i always find they discover it later in life they sort of as it's that you know mid-20s to sort of mid-30s you know i don't there's people seem to discover running and it becomes a huge part of their life. And I think it's such a shame that it's, it's discovered that late. And so for me, I think like a, something that could make the sport better is really at that younger age group. Like what can we do to try and engage kids with, with running? Um, We've got a very small scale project going on at the moment that we're hoping to expand in London where as Adidas runners, we're trying to go into, um, schools um and coaching sort of uh, 11 year olds to 16 year olds and running to them i think always seems as a chore or you know it's fitness or it's it's something that they it's got a negative association with it and they're really excited about 
basketball, football, tennis, you know, all these other sports where they get quite excited about it. But running, unless I think you're you're really into your track and field, your athletics, your cross country, it's something that's seen as a chore. But what what we've tried to do with a lot of these other kids is actually, if you have a really good founding sort of base of like a good running technique or, you know, good speed, good agility, good endurance, it actually is going to open up doors and, and make you a better sports person in, in different sports, if that's your thing. But separately, there's so many other benefits to it, to that sort of healthy lifestyle, to getting outside and stuff. So I think from my point of view, just to kick us off, I think if we were to contribute something to make the sport better, I would love to engage with the with a younger age group from the start and get them passionate about running. Well, if we go around to Chris, I guess it's looking at, at what you think we could contribute to make the sport better. Yeah, I, it, it's fascinating because so many people discover it at such a young age and track and field is, I think, widely considered like the most popular sport at least here in the united states in terms of just the mass numbers and then there people go off to to college and then after college and the drop off only um goes down from there and so there's got to be something there to really continue to hook people in the sport now i'm guessing it it you know making people i think more aware of just the different opportunities that there are whether it's you know uh, more 5k races that are organized in like local parks for, uh, for free or for as little as like something like five bucks or something like that. Then I think that'd be, that's cool to see. And then, uh, in general, you know, offering up more invitations to some of these bigger races, because I think, and, and I think it's cool when, when people bring out a friend to one of these, uh, larger events something like the new york city marathon is and or the chicago marathon or the boston marathon you bring out a friend to that that environment really captivates them and it's it's the cheers from the crowd it's seeing people uh trying their best and and pushing themselves to accomplish uh you know big goals and that kind of stuff i think that you get wrapped up in the excitement and you start to think could i do this you know can i give this a shot and so um yeah i think it just always if you're in the sport inviting more people to uh to take part in it uh and if you if you're just new to the sport it's knowing then and, and seeking out some of these opportunities that are out there uh because they are there and and i think now more than ever there's going to be more that just pop up and present themselves yeah definitely i think yeah that coming and watching a live event um i know my wife um, wouldn't describe herself as a runner, but I remember she went and watched the the Brighton Marathon. Like one of her friends was raising some money for charity, and she got so like hooked with like just the the energy on the day, just from being a spectator. She like immediately signed up to do it next year, and it's yes, yeah, those those moments that you want people to sort of resonate with. And what about yourself, Nevi? Um, what's your sort of view on and how we can make make running and the sport better? Well, you know, the best part about being the last person to go is everybody has already spoken from their expertise and experience. And I can just say what Chris and Rashida and Reed said. I think there's so much. I think just our global community, you know, look at us. Uh, we didn't know each other uh, before we started this podcast, but because of Adidas having bringing us together, uh, we realized that in spite of where we are across the world, we have this collective passion where we want 
everyone, uh, each one of us to teach somebody else uh, to, you know, be passionate about this sport that most of us have grown up in, uh, that we love so much. And there's just, you know, so much vulnerability in terms of, you know, various sections of people that don't feel safe to come out uh, to be running. And one of the things that I'd really like to do is, you know, I said I've been running as a young girl and I've run all my life, but I just don't see enough young women, especially in India, uh, you know, running and running competitively uh, as an amateur, you, you know, not at pro levels. There's plenty of women doing that. Um, there's some good runners, but, you know, just amateur runners, you know, your average college uh uh, going a uh, woman is not running uh, because of the academic pressure. Can I do something to change that? I'd really like to honestly try. And I think I'm just sort of going to give myself a challenge to try and do that over the next 12 months and see if I could go anywhere. Yeah, I think maybe you, you've wrapped it up beautifully. I think we've all come here on this call as sort of strangers, but there's obviously a lot of sort of shared experiences and knowledge and like, I think we're we're all kind of like aligned on it and um yeah it's been a been a pleasure talking to you all those were some great insights from chris rashida nivi and reed about how everyone involved in running can push the sport forwards as big as the question can seem at first like reed said it's so beneficial to take it apart from time to time and ask yourself how can I make running a little bit better? And there are so many ways to do it. Coaching and mentoring like Rashida and Nivi do, telling the stories of runners on a podcast like Chris, or just to your non-running friends about motivating them. And as sort of Reed mentioned, making the sport accessible to others is really important. So inviting them to come on a run with you by running alongside each other, regardless of your pace, background, experience or gender. And a special shout out to Nivi and Rashida for reminding us that the sport is not safe for everyone. So where you can, running together in a group is critical to really give people that safety. So thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to this conversation. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with a new episode on the AR The Talk Series podcast. Next time, it will be about the infamous the speed project you will hear stories of racing crewing and prepping for tsp and tsp diy and you'll really get a taste of how this year's speed project might unfold so if you're actually racing in in the speed project or you're just curious about what is this crazy 29 hour something race or you just want to hear some funny stories about runners getting lost in the desert i promise you this episode is for you so stay tuned, take care, bye.